They say the greatest gift that you can receive is life. But in life, there will always be a struggle. No one on earth can hide from the struggle. That struggle can be dark and lonely at times. And it may feel that we can't see the light. But we were not put on this earth to struggle. We were put on this earth to be the light and show the light. Today, we call this fight from the struggle to the light, the grind. And in any struggle, you need the tools and strategies to win. That's what the Daily Grind Podcast is all about. It's about equipping yourself with the tools and strategies from others just like you that fought that fight and were victorious in their grind. So listen up. You might hear that golden tool or strategy that's going to help you in your daily grind to be that light. What's up, Daily Grind? It's Dale here. Super excited about this episode because it talks about a topic that's really dear to my heart and something that I've been um, going through for a while in my daily grind. But I just really wanted to bring on an expert and someone that feels the same way and a vision no matter what about this topic, which is divorce. And how do you really optimize your best self when you are um, going through a divorce, and how do you really strategize to make a divorce an easy process so you can continue to move forward? So I have Sarah Armstrong with me today, and she is going to tell us more about her book, which is The Mom's Guide to a Good Divorce. Because we were just talking about it, like there's always stories on both sides about a horrible divorce, right? Or the things that you need to do. But some of those fundamental things of really getting um, your structure and clarity when it comes to how you navigate the different areas of divorce are the same, no matter men and women. So really wanted to jump into this because this is just an important topic because this can take you off your daily grind and it can keep you, it can hold you back just completely. So I have Sarah on here. It's going to help us move forward. Sarah, say what's up to everybody. Hey, Dale. Great to be with you. Hey, thanks um, for jumping on. So tell us a little bit more about you and a little bit more about the book. I think to start, I have to say, I never expected to write a book. You know, I actually have been in global marketing for the last 30 years. And uh, currently I'm actually at Google leading our global marketing operations. So this whole book journey I've been on is really about giving back to those, you know, women, but honestly men as well, who are going through a really challenging time in life. And, you know, over the years, I, I actually got divorced when my daughter was seven. And so she's now 20. So that's 13 years ago. And I, I have a kind of story of how I got to the book, but, you know, I, I did this juggling act of being a a working mom while raising Grace. And, you know, it's important to, a quick note before I get into the book itself is that, you know, I've been raised by an amazing parents that have been married for 55 years this next year. So I had this example of, you know, what a partnership and marriage look like. So I always like to say I'm not an advocate for divorce. I actually think in an ideal world, you know, couples that get married stay happily married for the long term. But unfortunately, these days, that's not always the case. And it's actually more common than ever. And so, you know, when you and I were talking before, you know, I, I always reflect that no one gets married to get divorced. No one gets divorced for positive reasons. There's always something that has triggered that decision, but children don't get to make the decision that their parents are actually going to go through this divorce and they're the, their lives are the most significantly impacted. So, 
once I, you know, had gone to my divorce and over the years, I had a number of girlfriends who, you know, would come to me and say, Hey, would you help me think through this when they had made the decision that they thought they wanted to go down this path. And somehow I, I joked that I became the poster child for a good divorce. And so I helped a number of friends over the years, basically over the kind of the five years post my divorce to go through things. And I was actually at a business dinner in Latin America in Mexico city a number of years ago, about six years ago, a colleague in front of mine looked at me and he said, he said, Sarah, you're so happy. And I said, yeah, I'm really happy. He said, but you're divorced. <laughs> and I, I stepped back and I said, Selman, just because I'm a divorce doesn't mean that I can't be happy. Getting divorced isn't a death sentence. It just means that my ex-husband and I have decided to no longer be married to each other. You know. And it was really interesting. And I said, I'm happy. Grace is happy. My ex-husband's happy. I go, we're all happy. We, you know, we made it through this really hard thing, but we're, we're happy. And you know, I think that's one of the things that, really drove me to write this book. I don't think there's enough conversation around the topic of having a good divorce. Like in, in society, it's always about these bitter divorces and, you know, and that has a lasting impact on children. So I really, I mean, my goal with the book and, and all of this is to help change societal perception that a good divorce is an attainable outcome, regardless of what drove you to decide to get divorced. Right. Because I've already said that's usually a negative trigger. But I think you have to almost draw the line and say, that was negative, but what am I going to do in the future to make sure my life and my children's lives are as happy as possible? So that's really the how it led me into this, this world of writing a book and, and talking to you today. First talked about um, really preparing for this change, how friends came up to you or was like, hey, like I'm thinking about going down this road. Like, how do I really prepare for this change? So do you have like three quick tips or steps that if someone is like really contemplating like, man, um, maybe I'm getting a divorce or maybe I'm separating from somebody that I've been with for years. Maybe I didn't get married, but it's really like a marriage and they're trying to figure that whole thing out. What are those steps of that you can do to kind of move forward? I think the first one is your mindset. Because when you've decided you're going to go down this path, you can either choose to really completely focus on the past and just wallow in that. Or you can say, okay, I'm, I'm again, I'm putting myself on this, this forward looking path. And, and the mindset is so essential of how you go into this process and in preparing for divorce. And so I think the mindset is, is one really key thing. I think the second thing is building your support network you know, around you of those that you want to bring into the circle, this inner circle that you're going to have of support. And that's both, it can be family and friends, and then it's what's your legal support. And then it's, do you need someone who's coaching you through this process? I actually, we actually went through what's called a collaborative divorce, which actually had coaches that helped you through it to make, to think about the decisions you needed to make and the discussions you needed to have about you know, what you were going to do in raising your children and co-parenting your children together. So it really is thinking about how do you want to move into this process and who do you need, you know, in that inner circle with you, helping you think through this, because there's so much to think through. And Dale, we were just talking about that as well. So I think that's one of the, the second really big things. And then the third one is you really need to think about the trade-offs of the decisions you're going to discuss and debate during this preparing stage, because there are so many decisions you're going to have to make and you're going to have to decide what is really important to you to hold on to 
And one of those things you need to either let go or decide that it's going to be different in this next stage, stage of your life. And those can be hard and you really have to do a lot of soul searching, reflecting on what is really important for you and your children as you go into this next stage. So those would be the three that I would say, kind of your mindset is essential, really thinking about building your support network and then really thinking through the trade-offs. Love it. So actually, I want to dive in a little bit about the trade-offs, right? Because this is something that I've learned a little bit in my process with um, leaving um, my son's mother, which is what are the really trade-offs and what's really happening? Because there's can be a lot of reacting, right? And instead of really strategically thinking. So when it comes to trade-offs and really thinking about these trade-offs, is there a certain like game plan that you would uh, put someone through to really get it in the right space to handle trade-offs or that negotiation period of it? Well, I think the trade-offs come when you start outlining. So there's something called a parenting plan that anyone that's going through this really needs to anchor on in terms of, again, all of the decisions you need to make. And then as you go through that decision, you're going to look at it and say, can I land in the place where I feel good about this decision and I don't feel like I'm making a trade-off, right? That that I, I can see where we can land there and where are the ones that are going to require a trade-off. So that's the first part is really kind of outlining and, and through the divorce process there these days, there are structured parenting plans that let you see all of those elements. And then you can kind of go through and think through where are the ones I think we're going to hit a speed bump, right? And we're going to hit that moment where it's like, oh, okay, we really need to work through that. So first it's understanding that, that list of elements and then I think then the trade-offs, so just to give you examples, is, you know, what's your schedule? You know, and if, if you're doing joint custody, for example, there's different ways of, of scheduling and thinking about, you know, how you want to live that day-to-day life with your children. And, you know, there are trade-offs there. Like some people do, you know, um, what's called a 5225, where they see their children each week. And then they alternate weekends, but other people say, no, I'd rather go week on week off. Well, those are all trade-offs. You know, if you do that, then you may not see your child in a given week. Is that something you're okay with? So every decision you make through this process, there are going to be trade-offs. It's just a matter of whether you and your ex-spouse you think are going to be on the same side of a decision, or there's going to be places where you're really going to have to make some of those tough calls and decide what you want to push on. And what you want to say, you know what, this is what's best for my children and I can I can live with that trade-off. Yeah, those trade-offs are really, really key. And so I definitely wanted to touch on that. So when, um, now let's start um, getting into like when you're in the middle of it, right? Because when you're in the middle of a separation, divorce, and you're trying to figure out all the changes, there's always wrenches getting thrown, right? Like, so... Someone may not completely go by the agreement. You know, there's different things that can easily trigger you to react very harshly and not the right way in front of your from your kids. So I got to be honest. There's a couple times like with me and um, my ex where with drop off, with just simple drop off, like we were not like kind of like the best to each other. Or there was a couple times I'm like, hey, like. You know, you're saying this or saying that. We're just going to meet at the police station because I'm not going to have this, right? Um, have this drama. And uh, luckily, my son was very young. If he if he hears this, it's like, hey, everything's okay. But like, I thought about like how that could be traumatizing to the, to the child. So, you know, when you're in the thick of it, right? What is really 
kind of the steps that you take to kind of bring down the emotions, but then get right back to thinking logically and strategically about your parenting plan and what's best for your child long-term? Yeah, it's a great question, Dale. So a couple things. One of the most important muscles that we need to build for a divorce, but quite I think we need to build in life is a compartmentalization muscle. Okay. And what I mean by that, and I actually do Pilates, so I, you, know, you, you focus on your core muscle and be really strong in your core. Well, your compartmentalization muscle is a muscle that I think we need because there are times when just what you said, the emotions may be high and you have to figure out how to say, you know what, right now is not the time for me to show those emotions in front of my children. It is not healthy for them. It's not good for them. And I really need to figure out how to diffuse the situation. So that takes a muscle, right? It like, like takes strength to say, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to, even if your ex-spouse maybe lobs something over that would have you want to react to that moment. The, the thing we have to think about is how do we not do that? And how do we not kind of um, escalate what could be one of those moments? And so, you know, I, I talk about the fact that, you know, when we go through divorce and children involved, you know, the stakes are high, you know, and we owe it to our children that they're not collateral damage, you know, due to that divorce. And so even though, and just what you said, even though as a couple, we decided to no longer be married to each other, you know, we made a commitment to bring our kids up in the healthiest and happiest environment possible, right? I, I joke that we, you know, we cover the plugs and we make them wear bike helmets and we drink, we, we, serve them organic milk and all these things to be healthy. But if we put them in that toxic environment that you just explained and they sit in that for a long time, that is going to have such an impact on a children's view on relationships, on their view on marriage, on their overall happiness in life. So I actually think it's our responsibility as parents, again, regardless of what took us to this moment of saying, we don't want to be together as a couple to really think about in those moments when the emotions could get high, diffusing them as quickly as possible because they are they are not what our kids should be exposed to. They are toxic. And so, um, you know, the, the compartmentalization muscle is one piece. Um, the other piece is just, I, I talked to you a little bit about this before we joined, like taking the high road, which sometimes feels so hard because you do want to, you know, say something back or put that person in their place. And there's just constantly say, you know what, I'm going to take the high road. It's better for my kids. It's better for me. Even though someone may be prompting you to try to take that lower road, it's like just continue to focus on taking the high road. Continue, even though it's hard, it might be an uphill climb to get to that high road, but continue focusing on that because that is going to be what gets you through those moments. And it's the best thing for your kids in those moments and also the best thing for you. Yeah, compartmentalizing thing is... That's difficult. I got to be honest. That's some one of those things that's like, yeah, you're like, what? Like, oh man, especially like when things are just not going right. Like, it's hard to compartmentalize. It's just hard. Like, I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, that was one of the most difficult things. And I don't, and it's, it's a muscle that you continuously work on because it's not, you're not going to be perfect. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, so you're not going to And yeah, you know what? It is hard. It's hard work. And no different than working out is hard work. <laughs> so I liken it to working out. Like, you, but you do have to flex the muscle. And in those, the only time you can really flex the muscle is when that muscle is being challenged to be flexed, right? So it's in the moment where you have to say, I'm not going to go there. It's not good for me. It's not good for my kids. But you literally have to flex it and be like, okay. And some days you might flex it better than others, to your point. Some days things might get to you and you say something that you're like, oh, 
you know, and, and you look back and you go, I, I, maybe I wish I hadn't said that. Or I wish I didn't respond that way. And so, you know, next time I need, may need to flex that muscle harder. But, you know, I, I continue, Dale, that in flexing that muscle and I can look back and, and the irony of my situation is grace is really the one that coined the term good divorce for me. And the reason that's important is, you know, she at age that so we got divorced from two, seven at age eight, we were at a CVS checking out, you know, at the counter and there was a people magazine, um, you know, on the, on the counter there. And there's a celebrity couple that was getting a divorce on, you know, was talking about the cover and she looks at me and she goes, mommy, is that a good divorce or a bad divorce? And I said, Grace, I don't know. What's the difference between a good divorce and a bad divorce? She goes, well, a good divorce is when the mommy and daddy are nice to each other, like you and daddy. And a bad divorce is when they scream and yell at each other. And I sat down and was like, wow. I said, well, Grace, it's hard to know what type of divorce that is from a magazine cover. So hard to judge. But we walked out. And as we walked to the, the, that CVS that day, I thought, you know what? Whatever my ex-husband and I were doing at the time, a year post-divorce, the fact that our then eight-year-old could deem our divorce a good divorce, I felt like we were doing something right. And I use right in air quotes. Um, and I wanted to continue exploring what that was. And I do think it was that we didn't show her all of those emotions we might feel about each other in front of her because that's not for her. That's between us. She needs to know she has a mom and a dad that love her jointly as parents. We both love her and that she has a healthy relationship with both of us. And the moments you just mentioned, like the transition, you, you know, you're not together that much when you're divorced, right? You, you actually, that's the whole goal. You're not together, but you have your children and there's moments when you're going to be together. And so whether it's the drop-off, you know, one of the really interesting moments for us, um, about five years post-divorce, Grace was in sixth grade, we went to her parent-teacher conference and the, in, in her, to get together, yep, so here we go. So together with Grace, now in her school, the child at sixth grade goes in and sits with the parents and the teacher to hear that we all talk about her education. So we sit down for an hour, we talk about Grace, and at the end of the, the, the hour, her teacher looks at us, she goes, wait a minute, are you, are you two divorced? And I said, oh yeah, we, we've been divorced for five years. She goes, I had no idea. And I said, well, it didn't occur to me to tell you that. It's not like we need to walk and say, hi, we're here to talk about education, but Grace's education, but no, we're divorced, just so you know. Like, that has, that has no relevance to this conversation. So she said to us, and this was just really a moment, she said, you know, it is so rare for me to have two parents who have a child at the school come into this office together for a parent-teacher conference and sit here and talk for an hour about their children's education. It is such a rare occurrence. You don't have any idea. She goes, and it makes me really sad. What I said, and by the way, Grace is hearing this. And I said, that makes me really sad too, because what should be more important than two parents than sitting down for an hour with their teacher and that child and talking about their education? Why isn't that the focus? You know, why can't, and like, it, it does take, it goes back to my compartmentalization muscle comment. It takes you setting aside all that you feel about each other, because it's not about you two in that moment. It's about your child. And so it's like, what can we do as parents to say, you know what? It isn't about us here. It is about our child. And so whether it's going to sporting events, the school play, like I always say on a sporting event, like Grace used to play soccer. I didn't want her. So my ex-husband and I would stand next to each other. I didn't want her to have to look at another side of the field to see how her parents were reacting to, you know, cheering or, and I said, she should look at one side and see us within, you know, a similar range of distance and be able to say, Oh, my parents are clapping and happy and whatever. It's 
so these are moments, you know, and they all add up. They're the tiny moments, but they all add up to how our children's view this next phase of their life. And so I know it's hard and, and, and it's interesting for you to say you can't imagine because I know that that's generally the mindset. And that's why I'm trying to share these, these, these thoughts and reflections because I'd like to see that people, even though you can't imagine, could you think about how that could maybe someday happen? Hey, are you liking this episode so far? If you're looking for more tools and strategies to help you on your daily grind, check out thedailygrind.com. The Daily Grind is not just a podcast. It's a community of high performers seeking to become their best self on a daily basis. Go check out thedailygrind.com and start taking action to achieve your best self today. Let's dive into a little bit more like tactical, right? Like, so... What if like someone on one side reads this book, you're battling the person on the other side that has not read this book or does not think that same way, and you're having all these issues and it's going like, you know, sideways all the time. How do you really battle that? Because I know you said take the high road, but like, I'm just, we're all like human, like, there's going to be times that where you can't take the high road or can't allow certain things to happen. Like, you know, even for, for myself, I'm like, dude, there's some things I'm like, nope, I, I'm not going to tolerate. There's some things I'm just like, all right, forget it. Like, it's it's whatever now. Like, you're going to play these games. Like, they're they're getting old, right? You just, it just looks old. But um, there's some things I'm not going to tolerate. And so how do you really go about those things you're not going to tolerate and go about that process to fix them and continue to move forward. When there are those things that you say, no, this is, this is something I'm you know, putting a stake in the ground, I'm not moving past this, then it is a matter of figuring out how you do that in a constructive way. But again, between you and your ex-spouse and those things that you're quote unquote not tolerating, where and how are you discussing those, debating them? figuring out how you're going to manage that dynamic, whatever the dynamic is. But all of that should not happen in front of your kids, in my view. You know, because again, it's so, if you need to have a, a tough discussion and debate, a argument about something or say, I'm not, this isn't happening. It's just a matter of how you minimize that exposure to that toxic environment for your kids. But I do appreciate it. By the way, this is the hardest thing I've ever gone through. And I completely appreciate the challenges in the both speed bumps or even walls that you might hit. And I hit them myself. So it's not that everything is, you know, e easy and free flowing um, in this process. But when you have someone on the other side that may not be, uh, they haven't read this book, they don't have this mindset, then you all can only do what you can quote unquote control about how you react to situations, how you do things. And then you're going to have to decide where there are things you either, to your point, say, I'm not doing it that way. And the implications of that, you know, sometimes those do have those trade-offs I talked about earlier. And so it's just a matter of where you start drawing those lines, you know, and, and what's hard. I'll, you know, I'll give you an example personally that is an unavoidable thing generally in divorces is, you know, splitting holidays and, you know, not being with your kids on a given holiday. And that's, I found that to be incredibly hard. I did not like the holidays that I did not have grace and I would be around my my nieces and nephews. I'm like, this is strange. I mean, I'm here, but she's not here. And so I changed the model. I completely changed how I celebrate holidays when Grace is around. I actually don't go and spend time with my family and, and my nieces and nephews. I go and do something for myself and I, you know, recharge in a different way. And so 
it was, it was a moment for me where I'm like, this isn't going to work. And this, by the way, had nothing to do with my ex-spouse. It was just the dynamic dynamic of being divorced and what that had done to the traditions of our holidays and, and all that came with that. So, so I think there are moments it's like, and I'm, and I'm really honest that I'm, and Grace knows that that's my hardest, like, even again, 13 years later, I didn't have her this past Thanksgiving. Those are hard things. It's like, I'd rather have her with me, but she's not. You, you get to, you stood a point, but I don't know if you ever fully do. And those are just the moments where you're like, this, this wouldn't be what I would choose if I were to have chosen, you know, this aspect of, of how I'm living this element of my life. Definitely agree with you on those holidays. It's very challenging that I always tell people my first Christmas without Julian was awful. Like I, I, I literally went on like a, I went on a little like basically bender. I tell people like I went on a bender from like Christmas Eve on. I was by myself for like three or four days, just could not handle it. And that's actually that's one of the biggest reasons why I've been advocating to change our like parenting like plan with holidays because I don't think it's fair for either one of us. The last like kind of like section I want to get into or talk about is the good old dating after divorce. You know, this one's tough, right? Especially like if you're dating when you're in a divorce too, right? Like, so you're, or going through this, like the struggle with, um, with an ex. So, you know, what are some, some things that you noticed in, um, post, like post-divorce and dating? And also like you've seen some friends go through that really need to, um, be addressed and how to kind of navigate that space. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And it's a big part of that post-divorce life is what do you want, you know, the next phase of your life to be, um, you know, you, you've gone into being single, but what, you know, what do you, what do you want that to all look like? And, you know, I think for us, my ex-husband and I had some very specific, I, I, I use the word rules, probably rules in place in terms of what we would and wouldn't do relative to bringing people into Grace's life. And, you know, um, and having what that would look like. And so it was a matter of just really aligning to the best of our ability of what would that look like without, obviously, I mean, we both need to go off and, and have our relationships the way that we choose to. But we did have some, you know, parameters about, you know, sleeping over, you know, all those things. And I think that the thing that is most important in the, the post divorce phase when you're you're doing that and you're introducing people in lives is just really thinking about again the impact of your child of having someone new into their life and at what stage you introduce them, how you introduce them, what that looks like, because that does absolutely have, you know, there's another person coming into your child's life. And um, I just we were always very conscious of what that would look like and how we were introducing those individuals. So I do think it's a big thing for individuals within a divorce situation to think about as, you know, you, you as a person, and then as much as you can reflect on as a couple of what either of you are doing, the combination of those things to your child and what they're having to take in, you know, when they go to either home and there's new people right in the mix and what that looks like. Um, I think the important, the other thing I just reflect on, the important thing in that post-divorce phase when you do start dating and having someone else in your life is still really figuring out how you're carving out time for your kids and having that time with them um, because they're still adjusting to this new phase of life and they need to know how important they are to you. And sometimes I have seen instances where people are like, well, I'm, I'm needing to you know, focus on my life now, my life being the parent's life. And I'm like, true, but 
you're still raising a child. <laughs> um, and the impact of the decisions you're making socially and how you're spending your time does impact how they're feeling about life post-divorce as well. So I think it's a really uh, delicate balancing act in this space, but it is one that we we really need to think about. You know, Dale, when I talk about that year post-divorce and I talk about that you're recovering from a divorce hangover, you know, and, and, I, and I joke while still driving carpool every morning, like you're still having to get up and do what you need to do. So whether it's dating, whether it's how you're showing up at, you know, various events, as I talked about er- earlier, and all those, the year of first that you go through is also another piece of it. You know, all the, the first holidays, as we talked about, first birthdays, first family vacations that are just, you know, a different structure of family. All of those are things you have to really think through and work through in that post-divorce phase. Exactly. It's a lot, but it definitely can be done. And yeah, the the dating after is challenging, but once you get in kind of a flow and get set those kind of, I mean, even rules for yourself and how you want to, you know, show up to this next um, area, um, next stage of your life, like it, it kind of works and it works into play. So what is that one thing that you want um, the listeners to definitely grab from your conversation, your book today? You know, at the end of the day, I want your listeners to know that regardless of what led you to getting a divorce, that, you know, and again, I said earlier that it probably wasn't a, a, a positive you know, trigger, that when you do decide to go through a divorce, that you absolutely can change the trajectory of your life and your children's life if you go into it with a specific mindset, with that uh, intent I talked about earlier of making things the best that they can be given you are now divorced. And that having a good divorce is an attainable outcome. It really is. It takes effort, as we talked about earlier. It takes building different muscles. But I can say that after, again, 13 years post-divorce, I'm in incredibly fortunate and happy in my life. Grace is happy. Like my ex-husband is happy in his life. Like I just have seen that it is possible. And I really want others to, to at least go down that path and see what you could do because every step you take to try to have a good divorce, you're going to end up in a better place. And if you focus on the negative of being divorced, which was an action you went through, you got divorced, but why does that negative action per se have to define the rest of your life? So I really want people to know that a good divorce is a sustainable outcome. Hey, thank you so much for you know jumping on the show today, man. It was great just really diving into this process. And like, like I said, I've been going through it as well and really trying to figure this out. And some of these things have been long and hard to figure out. Um, and that's why, you know, your book is so important because we can easily read a book that can help us, you know, take actually like years off of pain, right? Just years off of pain on different things. You have to take this in bite-sized pieces, you know, the, the, the whole divorce process. And so my book is actually written where it's, it's 185 topics, but it's just a topic per page, you know, and you, you can take just those, those topics that you're needing to think through and process. It's not meant to be read cover to cover quite honestly, because it has the preparing for the change during the change post changes the phases. And it is a goal of, of making those, decisions you did make, the discussions you have as pain-free as possible. There's going to be pain along the way, but how can you reduce that to the minimum possible situation? And, you know, that was the goal of, of writing this book. And just to share one final story before I was in a 
grocery store right after I wrote the book in the produce section. And this woman woke up, walked up to me and she said, are you Sarah Armstrong, the author? And I stopped. And, I, you know, again, I told you that I had never intended to write. I said, oh, yeah, I am. She said, well, I was at your book signing at Barnes & Noble last month and I'm going through divorce and I'm reading a book. And I always say, I always say it's a bittersweet. I always say, I'm sorry you're needing my book. And she says, no, I want you to know that I carry your book with me everywhere and it keeps me calm. And she said, thank you for writing it. And she walked away and, and I stood there in the middle of the produce section, Dale. And I thought, you know what? That is why I've written this book, to help a woman that I don't know who's going through an incredibly challenging phase of her life. And if I'm helping, if this book is helping keep her calm and allowing her to think about those things she needs to think about, like that's the best gift I could, could give. And so it's, that's, that's why I've written the book. Exactly. I love it when, um, you know, people come in like they, you know, have gotten some impact from your book. It's just, it's a great feeling. Actually, I, I really like your style of that one topics on each page. And actually for my next one, I'm going to kind of like, I'm not going to completely do just one topic. I'm going to take a little, little, my own little style with that, because I think it's very useful. What's it guy? What's funny? The funny, the funny thing is that the when I did it, the editor told me I was wasting paper. <laughs> she goes, "You only you have some white space." I go, "Well, the white space is for people to think. Like they only need to. Maybe it's a paragraph or it's a page, but I don't need to cram another topic on that page." But she really pushed me and said, "No, no, I want just a topic a page." <laughs> so it was funny. You guys, you know what I say every single episode, right? You got to start taking action in with these um, golden nuggets that you hear today. If you're in a relationship or going through a divorce or think about maybe having to um, you know, separate from a longtime spouse, like there's some very valuable nuggets with this book. And I'm definitely going to put the link in the show notes. So definitely you'll get that and start taking action with all these things that you heard from today, right? Just in your life when it comes to relationships in general. We can get all the knowledge, but if we're not taking action, it doesn't mean anything. Sarah, thanks again for jumping on and The Daily Grind. We'll be talking soon. See you. Wow, what an amazing episode. Definitely brought all the tools and strategies to help you on your daily grind. Now, can I ask you for a quick favor? If you like this episode, please leave a review. Tell people how this episode helped you with your daily grind. And don't forget to take action with all these tools and strategies to help you with your daily grind today. We can have all the knowledge and tools, but if we're not actually taking action with that knowledge and tools, it doesn't mean anything. So most importantly, take that action towards your daily grind and start creating the life of your dreams. If you're looking for a little bit more help with that, make sure you check out thedailygrind.com, thedailygrind.com, and check out the show notes for all the links and start working on your daily grind today. 